How are you? Fucking sick, dude. How about yourself? Mm, well, better now. <laughs> Let's go. Hello, she's, he's, and all comrades beyond the binary, and welcome to episode 3 of the Wheelback Podcast, a podcast dedicated to making me hate rave kids more. I'm your host, Jay, and thank you for tuning in. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Audulator. He hopped on with me to discuss his recent rebrand, as well as his cat, his family, and offering himself to be the ghostwriter for an infamous Twitter personality. Now, Cam sent me a folder of uh, some of the music that he's going to be releasing, and let me tell you... Some of those songs made me go fully feral cave person at work. So, yeah, when I say keep your ears open for new music, I mean it. And um, one last thing, before we go to the episode, there were some audio issues. So if there's any blips that bother you, don't look at me. I just work here. Okay, well, you know, what, the, you know, I'm trying to bully him into drinking more. Because he's got a nice stout beer for himself tonight, but I'll uh, I'll I'll give him a second and then he can talk about what's going on with him. <laughs> All right, the stout is down. Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, my name's Cam. For everyone who doesn't know me, uh, out of Toronto, Ontario, I've been producing music for like what is it, twenty twenty one now, like six years. This month, actually, I definitely started like. Around December 2015, and uh, I've gone through multiple different projects. I'm a pretty uh, anxious person, I guess, when it comes to my brand and everything. This is this is going to be like number four or five, and I am really adamant on this being the last one. So I'm about to rebrand. My new brand uh, is the name is Audulator. Um, before my project was titled Pink Droid. I've been doing that since 2018, but really I've only been active in it in about a year between 2018 and 2019. The last two years, I haven't really been what I would call pursuing my career that intensely, but now it's time to get back into it. Yeah, buddy. Sure. So that kind of like, I know I sent you a meme a while you were asking for like artwork. I remember this is like my favorite interaction with you. It was like I just said that stupid Pikachu, Pikachu meme. Yeah, it was a stupid Pikachu meme. <laughs> the funniest <laughs> part about that is that track. Okay, so that track was Caution to the Wind, right? Yeah. Um, so that track came. I uh, watched a video from Ill Gates where he said like with every song you make, you should aim to just completely offend someone. Like, just make them, like, there should be one person who just thinks it's, like, the worst thing they've ever heard. I was like, huh, that's an interesting concept. And at the time, like, it was when I was really getting into, like, my bass music world. And, like, you know, like, everyone, you know, commonly in bass music, you know, someone makes one big sound, like Murata or whatever, and then you get, like... And I was definitely doing that, just trying to, like, follow stuff. And then I watched that and was like, he, he was like, do something that like someone would call wrong, like something like that. So I was like, all right. Yeah, I went into an Ableton project and titled it Caution to the Wind because that's what I was doing, throwing Caution to the Wind. And I just went, I actually made about 75% of that track without listening to it. I was in class in music school. And I was just doing sound design things that I knew and then writing rhythms with it and like with a drum rhythm that I knew. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to do like this and do all these effects. And at the end of the class, I'm going to listen to it. And like, I wrote the drop to that song and then was like, holy shit, this sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> but like, because I didn't like take it seriously, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do cover art for this, whatever. And then I put that shout out and you suggested the Detec detective Pikachu. And that's what I put up. And like, Maybe it has competition with one other song that I've released, but that's like everyone says that's my best fucking song. It makes me so angry. I, but I mean, like it it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Like that's the thing. Exactly. Is like, yeah. You're yeah. The, you set out to be something like I'm going to make something that might not sit right with somebody, and it ended up clicking on everything else too. And like the fact that you just made it in class, like not even listening to it, that's just fucking wild. It's just like such a testament to like what can happen when you get out of your own head. 
Yeah. Like when you when you're just like when you just really like oh god throw caution to the wind like you you know you're just like oh, throwing shit at the walls seeing what's sticking like like the stuff that can come from that it's it's like it even reminds me of like when you watch a video of like Timbaland producing and he just starts out with like a beatbox and then he records that and then he goes in and he like replaces the sections of his beatbox with like his in the box instruments and that's how like he typically creates beats and like definitely the things that like are the best just come from where like that idea comes in your head and you don't even filter it. You just like get it out right away. It just like, yeah, it just kind of clicks into place right away. And I think that's the thing. Like I, I was talking to my friend Radrix on his episode and we're talking about how the only time he really ever gets like continued, continual bursts of inspiration is when he's like stressed because he had school at the time. Yeah. So he'd be like in the middle of exam season, be like, I'm just going to nail out that song right now <laughs> real quick. Cause his brain was on hyperdrive at that point, right? So yeah, uh, shout like, out to Arizona Ice T, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's still mad about not getting that uh, that sponsorship from them after his tweet. It'll come. It'll come. <laughs> One day it's gonna happen. We'll just bully them into it. It'll happen. Oh, like the funny thing is, is like even though that worked so well, I haven't really, except for maybe like that recent DMB song that I made. Like I haven't really done that since, where I've just kind of like went for it and been like fuck the rules like it's still been like a really steady pattern of trying to like conform to what i think would be a successful sound which is strange but i think that's the the thing about the creative aspect of it is is finding what works best for you and less about what is going to be like the best possible commercial option right and like like playing with that can be tough yeah like that and that that even ties into the whole concept of rebranding because like me like i my worst side of trying to pursue this as a career is the business aspect like i am completely illiterate in it. it it's so difficult for me and like sometimes it feels really hopeless and with yeah the whole rebrand like the creativity not wanting to like stick to conforming to what's going to work but at the same time you're like oh like i want to be successful in this so like there are these things that i probably have to follow in order to do it like it it's easy enough to say like you can let the music speak for itself and there are definitely artists like that like flume is one of my favorite producers like when i think of flume aside from like certain projects like his skin project or whatever like there's not a certain graphic or logo or theme even to his brand that i associate with flume is just such a goaded producer that it's impossible to ignore what he's making and like i feel like sometimes at least with myself like you have to meet at a crossroads where you're like okay do i believe in what i'm creating absolutely you know am i fucking eprom probably not so like i'm gonna have to scratch the back of the corporate branding side of it to get my music where i want it to be you gotta kind of play that game a little bit just because not everyone's path is different and things like that and i I even like i still firmly believe that even though artists that do that that have a lot of their music speak for themselves there's still a whole business side of it as well when it comes down to like them the management and the release of the music and all of those things. Like there's so much that goes into it. That's just not related to the music. That is a lot. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get this podcast on a Spotify. I'm going to be, I've struggled for so long trying to get it to work. I'm just kind of like, fuck it, whatever. It's staying on SoundCloud. Oh, man, you, just shit, gotta, like. you just got to get on an aggregator. It's easy. But the thing is, is every time I tried to get it, it just doesn't want to post. Uh, what did you try to use? This. So I just give up. Cause I'm, uh, Oh God. I tried to use, I finally signed up for Distro Yeah, Distro Kids what one. I use for all my it's super easy. I'm sure it should be fine. Yeah, but I'm also kind of like tech <laughs> yeah. literate and I'm me. So anyone that knows me knows that I'm a disaster yeah. on a good day. <laughs> so okay, I have a random side note because I saw your cat jumping around. Is he still like losing his shit and biting Bro, you when you trying to sleep? He doesn't so much attack me as I have a nightstand on either side of my bed where like random shit lives <laughs> and he knows that that is what will wake yep. me up. So he's constantly up on the nightstand, just doing the classic inch by inch tap until shit falls off. And that's how he tortures me now. And somehow he always knows like an hour before I have to wake up, whether it's 5 a.m. or 1 p.m. He's like an hour before he has to wake up. That's when I'm going to wake him up. So it ruins his morning because he lost that last hour of deep sleep. (laughs) Dude, that is my my cat. For some reason, this this most recent time change 
absolute <laughs> fuck. Man. I've never even considered that. I wake up yeah. at four forty every morning, so like I am up at a set time Monday to Friday, and then the time change happens, so it's three forty, but it's still four forty for him. So he's just going bananas at three forty in the morning for the first little bit, just like I am ready <laughs> to be fed. And he's the big fat cat, so he barrels around the apartment yelling loudly, and then he jumps up on the bed and gets in my face, and it's just like, fine, fuck, I'll feed you. Literally, like, I used to be up at 5 a.m., and then, like, Saturday I had my first close at the bar, and I got home at, like, 5.15. He was just like, what in the fuck is going on with you? Like, (laughs) this is is not normal. Oh my god! I still remember that one. The picture you posted of him with the milk was it yogurt or milk all over? I was was having taco night, and he literally just no fucks given, just dove face first into the sour cream container. (laughs) My mom has an all black cat, and they discovered that he loves salt and vinegar chips. So the second that bag is open, he is like trying to get his head into it, and then they were kind of finding more things that are a little like salty so he started eating olives now which is just like stealing them from plates and things like that he's he's just such a chill cat but he'll do something dumb and it's like yeah, this like, is not is- right like no <laughs> yeah it's weird i think they can taste salt they can't taste sweet i know that but like apparently they just love crunchy stuff so i don't know like at some point when he was a kitten i must have gave him popcorn and he was just like yep that's it chief like because <laughs> also like my ex mm-hmm. gave him fruit a fruit loop once and say like fruit loops specifically oh, no. not just breakfast cereal fruit loops he goes wild for her. and then it's definitely cold stuff too because popsicles i've always got to give him a lick of my popsicle <laughs> that's wild yeah uh the cats aren't really big human food fans for the most part in this house so it's like it's nice so i don't have to worry about like that's i can good. leave my food down if i have to get up and get something and not worry about because my cat's, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's a greedy It's like an fuck, infamous but... story with mine. Like, he was, like, two months old, like, still a proper kitten. And my friend was over with his girlfriend and her friend. We all got late, my, late night McDonald's after the club. And she got, like, the chicken, like, deluxe thing from McDonald's. Like, not even a McChicken. Like, the one oh, with yeah. lettuce, tomato. Like, the big, like, the one that nobody probably ever orders. The fancy like, full-size burger, His yeah. little, like, two-pound ass somehow grabbed, like quarter of it out of this girl's hand and just ran across her like while she was eating it fully just came up like one of those monkeys in thailand and just robbed her and ran to the other side of my house and everyone was so gobsmacked they didn't know what to do like it didn't it's like a bee like how like its wings shouldn't be able to carry its body like the size of him should not have been able to have that much mcdonald's burger in his mouth (laughs) it just it just be like that sometimes it just be like that yeah, cats are wild. I think that's why they're so much fun. Is because like dogs, it can get like that's kind exactly of what I was gonna say. It's so unexpected with cats. They can still be wild, but kind of predictable. But cats, it's just like uh, you turn the corner <laughs> and they look at you like oh, I'm like, oh no, like what what is about yeah. to happen right now? I'm not prepared. And, and, like, for some it. Some days they're just <laughs> like not. totally cool, and other days they're just fucking agents of Satan. <laughs> you just want to fight them. Yeah. So let's just pivot back to the actual conversation now that we've had that little sidetrack. Because I saw the cat jump up and I was like, I'm going to forget about it if I don't. So the rebranding process, I know that is like a big thing to do. And you said you've done it a couple times before. But like with this one, what makes it feel different in terms of you're saying you're hoping that it's this is the last one that you're going to be doing? Well, I think there's like a really common list of these like sort of forks in the road that aspiring electronic producers come to and like come at different times in people's careers like sure some people might not experience them but like i feel like they're pretty routine for a lot of people and i think one of those is kind of just the misconception that like your brand is the reason that you're not where you want to be yeah because like i think there's a lot of like you know the youtube education for like aspiring electronic producers and whatever and like rightfully so there's a lot of emphasis placed on the branding because like whether you like it or not like it's just a necessity out of it but also there's definitely a lot of content out there that kind of drills it into your mind that's like get your branding on point and like it doesn't matter like you're just gonna succeed and like i think also if you're in a local scene you know with a lot of guys who like may not even be like putting out tracks that much like they're just djs but like they've got this solid following and a cool logo and a good brand and they're getting those shows and you're like okay so like brand i have now is fine but 
Um, it's not getting me where I want. And at the time you probably feel like, oh, my music is adequate enough to get me there. So then you just kind of start all placing it on like, oh, you know, where my business side of things is lackluster. That is the reason why I'm not there. And then you get into the point where you kind of start to just resent the project that you're working on because you know, whether it's out of some sort of denial where you don't want to admit that, hey, maybe my music just isn't where it is where it needs to be yet, or a combination of both, it's really easy to just be like, oh, the brand's not working. Because, I, you know, especially starting in 2015, like when Marshmallow's push really started, Ooh. and you saw what that identifiable brand can do, because let's be honest, like, it's nothing groundbreaking, you know, like, it's, it's pop music, it's well done but you, it's not mozart and you're like oh the helmet it's recognizable i mean we've seen how many people have tried to capitalize off the helmet thing all that stuff just like really is just marinating in your brain and i think it, it yeah a lot of times it just leads to a lack of confidence in your project and then it just propels you to want to start something new yeah the, the marshmallow like the brand push was really to me like the first instance that i noticed the brand being the main selling point of the music in electronic music. That was yeah. like the first one that really like hit it big, which was just like, oh, okay. Dot com yeah. was like is an incredible producer. His his work was exactly. really good. And he still makes like I, I know I talk a lot of shit about it, but it's still like solid music. It's not yeah, and I mean I'm still like I like literally when sellout with sudden death comes on in my shuffle, I don't skip that song. And like, you know, I would my personal opinion would be that probably that was a majority sudden death and it was a business move collab with marshmallow you know the uh, royalties off that are probably gonna fucking put your kids through college or whatever like i get yeah. i get it like i used to listen to dot com before marshmallow and loved it but again it's that like you know he's not he's not like a wonder kid. he's not a generational talent and that branding is what elevated him to where he was yeah because it's not like he said it's not like he started making better music than what he was making as dot com right yeah that's that's actually that's a really good good way of putting it in that aspect of of just like it's not that it enables you to be like a mid-tier talent that gets the move the movement that you need it's just it, it assists that in creating more of a following and a movement which is just like you see artists use social media for like um, i i could i could complain about paths all day because <laughs> it's a hobby at this point oh i love it every so time much. he comes up on any social media i'm just like i want to fucking gouge my eyes out like this is just the worst possible brand you could have picked but it the works stuff, it's the type of stuff that makes you so jaded when you're someone trying to pursue this lane and like the worst part about it is like like this is over exaggerating but sometimes i feel like i whore myself out you know like because of paz's following and obviously he follows you know he's a bot follower or whatever he followed me when i was an early stages producer and all i saw was this guy is you know professional and even though yeah, exactly. You said everything he did made me want to carve my eyes out with a spoon. I was like, oh, I'm not going to outwardly bash this because like, who knows, like this could hurt me in some way or other. And then, but inside I'm like, this guy's a plug and this goes against like, it's just awful. Like this is the worst. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it makes a scene to anyone that knows what's going on. Like it just adds that extra layer of shit onto the pile of what, what it is. Cause I, it yeah. drives me nuts watching people that are like, because I've got a lot of really talented friends, and I yeah. try and associate with people that I think are incredibly talented because I know and believe in what they're making. It drives me nuts that there's people like that just use a bot on Instagram to watch your story and get followers, and they'll, then they'll get yeah. bookings. And then, uh, yeah, obviously there are promoters that say like it's. And again, I understand what sometimes I have a capitalist brain I can shift to where I like you get it. You you sip the Kool-Aid for long enough. <laughs> yeah, I can understand like, OK, in the end, it's a business. This person has one hundred and forty five thousand Twitter followers. And if you book them for your festival, it's probably going to sell some tickets like it, it's the nature of the beast. It's what it is like. People are putting up a lot of money to put these festivals on. They got to make their nut like. Unfortunately, that's the reality that it is, but it's so strange because it doesn't really, a part of it has to be that the disconnect between electronic music and other areas of music are the performance where you don't have to be able to perform your talent in order to do it. It's, you know, it's all about 
being a selector and reading the crowd and, you know, not even for everyone, for some people, it's just, you know, the beat port top, whatever genre you are and pleasing the crowd. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if I was in a band and I couldn't play my song, I'm not playing the show. That is one thing I think that not a lot of people do talk about is you can get bookings as a middle range talent that just knows how to do the bare minimum, which like if that's if that's how you're making money, by all means do it. But like it drives me nuts because I'm like I, I go to a lot of like like rock and metal concerts and things like that. And I've, yeah, I've yeah. had the pleasure to see a lot of really good sets, but I've also had to see a lot of really bad sets. And a lot of those bands that have the bad sets, they're not around anymore. So yeah. it's one of those you see the the talent when you are able to do your craft in every facet of the word and of the system. When you have that talent, sustainability comes with it, which is cool to yeah. see these artists that do have that talent that create that sustainability out of it. But it's just it drives me wild sometimes being like you like I'm not a DJ, I can't DJ. I'm not going to say I can do it better, but man, what the fuck? <laughs> And really, it's only going to get easier for stuff like that to happen because, like, you know, I if DJing was still two Technics tables, I probably would have given up on it a while ago. Yeah. But the fact that we have the technology we do now, I, you know, I can DJ. And, like, I always say, like, you know, I have friends when I've got my deck out at a party, like, I'm playing and they're interested. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, can you count to four? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, perfect. I can teach you to DJ. And, like, I, I see on, like, Twitter sometimes, like, funnily enough it always seems to be the djs who don't really make tracks but they they get so they get so pressed when someone mentions how easy djing is and i'm that's not to say that it's easy to put on a good set but in terms of you know like i can teach someone to dj house music in 20 minutes a hundred percent if they can count to four and multiples of and they have any sense of rhythm on modern equipment, I can. And that's just because the equipment makes it that easy. It's not that, like, you know, the art of DJing is that easy. But I could teach them to seamlessly mix between two house songs, probably relatively easily. And so as, as that gets even easier, it's just so much easier to book those talents that are those influencers like Paz or, like, you know, other nameless people that everyone can probably think of. Because you know they have that reach where it's going to promote your show and then they don't need much technical ability to put on an adequate thing that the majority of that crowd doesn't understand you know how easy that may be that might not be the best way to word it but you know they're gonna put on something where people are like wow i don't know how to dj and that seems like this person is doing something worth this 200 festival ticket as i always say you can learn to ice skate but that doesn't mean you can play hockey <laughs> no absolutely you, that you is, can that... figure out the basis of it but it's the rest that comes with it that separates the difference between it all yeah and again like i definitely don't want to like put out the impression that i have no respect for like the art of just being a dj because some people can rock a fucking crowd oh, absolutely and i am not i am at this point i am probably a mediocre dj because like i put so much emphasis in my production and like i understand why that might may not make me that desirable of an act to book because there are a bunch of guys who dj who don't make music who are gonna make that crowd go harder than i might right now and that's the nature of it and like yeah they're like they're absolutely djs who just you know the the level of selector they are and the way they read energy and the way they decide to mix their tracks that's absolutely an art in itself yeah pro properly reading a room is an insane talent to have 100 percent. So, yeah it's a <laughs> this is actually I, I like this this is stuff that i could talk about for for days i'm because <laughs> i like like i said i don't i don't dj i'm not going to claim that i know what i'm doing when it comes to anything like that i open up music production software and i just stare at it and get mad and then close it and never open it up again <laughs> so it, it's it's cool seeing the process behind it all too because like as i've made friends within the community you see guys like like i'm gonna go back to ratrix because the dude is an insane mixer like just something yeah. about the way that he does it it's just like i can look at those two songs and not be like they would sound great together but he's just like Meh, fuck it okay they go good like let's go yeah. and like one of my friends holocore same thing like he he kind of like he does produce some music but his djing is just every time he releases a mix i'm just like what the fuck like how do you how do you have that like how do you have that ability to just like i'm going to do this right now and it's just yeah. that's always been something that's been ad admirable to me because i like mm -hmm. I can appreciate talent when I see it, right? Absolutely. Like there are people who just 
you know, it's it's not an instrument, but it's like learning to play an instrument where like people get behind those decks and like they're just so versed in it that like whatever they put out is sick. That is absolutely something that needs to be appreciated for sure. Yeah. Like another thing I just think about on the concept of like the the social media influencer aspect of it, like I've even the funny thing is is cause like I feel so aware of it and against it and like it's like I'm jaded toward it and like whatever. But I can identify like quite a few artists who like maybe I know their stuff now and I like them, but like there are definitely a bunch of artists specifically in bass music that like I started to like based off of social media. And then I realized like I actually haven't listened to the, a song by this person yet. Like I, this person was just constantly coming up and like my, these people like this, like I saw a video of their show. Like I fully was a consumer in the sense that like their online brand and whatever fully pulled me in. And I didn't even know what their music sounded like. And I was like, Oh yeah, this guy's sick. How many times have you been let down by that? Definitely multiple times. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've kind of had, yeah, that definitely a bunch of, a bunch of times for sure. Which, which <laughs> sucks because it's like, Oh, like I like you as a person and I like your brand, yeah, but like exactly. music. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And, and that's the thing is like, is that towing that line between being you and being the brand, because that's the tough, like must, must die is his brand and his brand he's is, very, must his die. brand is, is himself. Like he, yeah, he's, exactly. he's entirely made his project a perfect mixture of him as the person and him as the musician, which makes me appreciate yeah. it so much more when he goes off on things. I'm just like, you, cause you can tell it's like him at the root of it. Just being like, what the fuck? I'm like, yes, thank you. Like get mad. To me though, to me, that's just like going back to being a person whose music can speak for themselves because must I is, you know, one of the best electronic producers of all time. And that's why he can afford to unabashedly be himself like that. Because like, you know, either way, like love him or hate him, like his music backs it up, right? Oh yeah, he and, like I I don't I don't recall must die tweets from five years ago, but like you know when I was listening to VIPs with Skrillex, like I didn't know must die's Twitter personality at all. Yeah, that was just a sick tune, and I don't I I may be wrong, but back then I don't think he was on the internet just being unabashedly himself, like roasting people for being dumbasses. But now he's got that clout from how. How good how of his strong music is. of an artist he is. I've followed him for a long time now. He's always been like a little bit there here and there. It would come out. And I think he on the edge. There was an interview with him that where he kind of just like was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I at this point, if I lose followers, I lose followers. Like I'm not gonna try and be somebody that I'm not, which is something that makes me appreciate that more because that's kind of my I don't give a fuck if I bother people by yeah. by like what I've posted because at the end of the day it's not really anything offensive it's just going to bother them and if I lose <laughs> followers I lose followers like who cares I don't know social yeah. media man it's not real life that's that's where it kind of sucks too because when you want this weird path for your life as bad as myself and like other aspiring producers do and then social media is such a big part of that yeah. and it's not just social media right it's more than that it's how you get your your name out there i could say something on twitter that could blacklist me yeah <laughs> like, see, oh yeah mm, and that's why i have stuck to the podcast because i can do whatever i want <laughs> <laughs> no censorship fuck you fight me <laughs> yeah no it's that's like that to me is the one the one thing that about being a musician that I couldn't handle. Like I I've had a couple chances, a couple people ask me to be like, hey, could you do social media? And I'm like, no. Like I'm gonna get your brand in trouble. No. Like I do not want to do that. That is not for me. Like, like every so everyone who's probably gonna listen to this knows who Kate is. Oh my, Kate. Yeah, Kate. That I do not know how he does it, but. Every to me, like, time someone gets mad be, at him, I'm just like, this is this is just great. Maybe it has happened already, and we don't know because of some sick behind the scenes NDA stuff. But like the fact that no one has hired him, like as a an artist in EDM Twitter world, to just run their Twitter. If maybe that has happened, and I'm just again like I'm consuming, and it's worked on me, and I don't know. You're calling <laughs> the system, man. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> welcome to the machine. Come on, Another man. brick in the wall. Yeehaw. Oh my god. Oh, there's pink droids spouting off the pink floor. <laughs> we out here.
Yeah, that okay. that every time something comes up and he's like he's got an opinion on something because the best part is this he he's like me he shit talks things that he likes as well yeah which is like I pop off on dubstep kids and people get mad I'm like I like dubstep this is what I listen yeah, to like, he's an Elenium fan yeah. and then like he'll just go on and smack and then you get Elenial Twitter just like <laughs> just screaming at him and it's just like oh man like this is just yeah. it's it's so funny and that's like I kind of get a little bit of a sick joy every time someone gets mad at me over something dumb that I've posted because it's just like at the end of the day I'm gonna close I'm gonna close my phone and I'm gonna forget about it but I'm gonna know that the next time you see my name you're gonna be like that guy's a dick it's like yeah I know (laughs) welcome to my life I live with me 24 7 I'm I'm very well aware of who I am so I love when people are able to use that and Kate's like everyone knows who he is at some point Right. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. He's he's either he's either offended you or made you laugh or someone's he's re- been retweeted on your timeline. Like he encompasses everything. He is EDM Twitter. <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you. If someone, if Cade paid someone to ghost produce him an EP, he would get an opening slot on a minor medium festival within the year. I I would not be surprised. <laughs> that would not shock me at all. So, Kate, uh, new business plan if you've got some extra money. I know you're having a kid soon, but, like... I'm actually going to cancel my rebrand, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just going to ghost produce for you, actually. <laughs> hey, you'd get stream... you get a you get some payout of that one from the streams, so... That's the thing. I, don't, I don't care, actually, about my personal image's success. If I could make enough money to survive off of music full-time and no one know, knew who I was, I would take that in an absolute second. <laughs> See, and that, that, that ghostwriter argument, because, like, it sucks that artists use them, but at the same time, like... Yeah, exactly, because you... Well, I, I'm the one, like, I'll be there complaining that someone is ghost-produced, but if someone was like, yo, I'm going to pay you 60 grand a year to write me songs, I would say, okay, and I would give up on my career. <laughs> and that uh, 60 grand is, like, almost poverty wages. Like, let's be, let's, yeah. let's be honest. You're still like, making money on, I mean, especially yeah. where you live, yeah, everything's fucking expensive out there, too, so. Yeah, like, I... I would be totally fine with being at the wealth level I am right now if it was just doing something I was completely passionate about and enjoyed doing. Yeah, and that's the thing is like that's the goal is to be able to make enough to survive off of what you enjoy doing. I don't need to be like you know a superstar by any means. If I could, if I could make a career being like the direct support on tours, let's go. You're getting <laughs> like, paid to travel. Yeah, and then and also like you know I don't. I hope not at least like I don't have dreams of being a bass music DJ when I'm 45. Like I would love to, you know, be at the caliber where I could tour for like my mid twenties to early thirties and then, you know, work in the music industry elsewhere. Like dubstep isn't the be all and end all that's for sure. And there's so much to the the scene and, and the industry that you can easily pivot once you get an understanding of it into something else yeah. that can sustain that. Like there's always management and labels and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I would I'd be the worst manager in the world. Oh I'm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> chaos brain. I, I think I could run. I think I could. I think I could be a label boss in the terms of like A and R and just like creative direction, but like. Management agency, anything like that. I've I've contemplated it. Every DJ has because they just want to be in the industry so bad. So you're like, all right, maybe I don't have what it takes, but like I could be a ma- I could be a manager. I could be an agent. I've contemplated it before for sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a, a a relatively common thought, just given the circumstances of how many people it takes to actually get a DJ going. Oh, oh, yeah, I was gonna go back to. To, like speaking of like artists running labels like that's things like for me schism was was and always is one of the best producers from my perspective yeah. just in terms of like he was that first one that really pushed like super bass heavy like thick sound design like that was the, the thing that set him apart and it sucks that we don't get any music but like he's such a good label manager that like you can't even be mad about it because you're getting so many other artists out of him deciding to dedicate his time to something else yeah it's like it's almost like it's like djing in a sense like it's just the selector like mindset like he just picks the things that you want to hear but you didn't know you wanted to hear and he's so good at that and that's what makes me like that label so much is there's a lot of artists that get eps that it's like i would have never checked this artist out because it's not in that realm 
Definitely. Like so many times I see an Ever Said I promo video and I see the name and I'm like, who? <laughs> and, but it's, it's, it's so good. Whereas like, you know, I love Disciple and Disciple is definitely like, I, I, I owe a lot to Disciple in my earlier days of producing for like the way that the sound on that label inspired me. But I think Disciple is definitely a harder label to get on in the sense of like Roundtable definitely puts puts artists out there. Like I've discovered a bunch of artists off Roundtable, Same. but but um like I think getting on Disciple proper like you got to have some established stuff for that. Whereas like Never Say Die main label releases are consistently showing me people who I did not know existed. Yeah, and that's that's something that Schism like I, every time I've I've listened to a mix or I've seen him live, it's always been artists like you get the occasional one that's like, oh, I know this song, and the rest of it's just like, what the fuck am I listening to? Like, ex- yeah. excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, you, where, you get that chaos of like, holy shit, like this is what's going on now, like. So yeah, and that's that's something that like I I will always support that label just because of the fact that. I know regardless of who's being released on it, it's going to be good. And I love it because they're not genre exclusive. Like, you know, you get abstract on Never Say Die. Yeah. And that's just because like, yeah, it's house music, but abstract is a, like is his own sick little niche of bass music too. And like people who like Never Say Die are going to like that. Yeah. So it's being, it's having the ability. I know they did a baseline style song with i can never pronounce it akios i see i always in my brain say akios but i i I, dude there we could sit here for another fucking hour and discuss (laughs) is it this or this because i know that would be a rough episode (laughs) (laughs) and that's that that comes back to the whole like you know the importance of branding like People don't consider so many things like that, like your search engine optimization. Like that's part of the reason why I started distancing myself from Pink Droid. So, um, I, you know, this is all about the rebrand. So I'm going to swing back to that. Like basically, um, when I first started making songs, I had the level of apprehension that I think a lot of people have when they start making music with the imposter syndrome of like, I can't look like I'm taking this too seriously. Cause you know, who am I to think that like people need to hear the music I'm making, like whatever. So my first, my first alias was my last name. I released one song under it. Um, and then I went traveling and completely stopped making music because you're 19 on the other side of the world and you're concerned about other things. <laughs> um, and then I came back and I adopted the name Basic because I was at that point really um, falling in love with a UK bassline, bass house, and then trap and like all these bass genres and I was like I want to make all of these and I want people to know that like doesn't matter what subgenre I'm in like it's going to be bass music and I was like I think I went through some sort of like rhyme website or like I don't know what it was like I I like googled words that contain the word bass and then was like all right well because there was like also like at that point who was I like like I remember Dak Daniels like I was trying to think of reverse names like Mord Fustang like stuff like that like so it was all like I, I was always into the wordplay names. Um so yeah, first I went for basic and then there's obviously basic with B V S S I C. I think around that time he was coming out as well, and I discovered that mine was B A S S I C K like base sick. I think somewhere else I maybe found like two or three other guys on SoundCloud with that name. And I never uh I re- I don't think I released any music under that alias. I think I was just DJing and then rebranded and um i wanted to keep bass in it again and i went to database and there was another person coming up in toronto with the name database who was playing shows and i wasn't playing shows guess i'll go fuck myself all right well this person's already got this person's got more clout than me so then the summer before i started music school i started pink droid and that's when i actually started to like minorly understand what i was doing with production but at the time the learning curve was so crazy from where I came from to where I was at that point that I was like, I've got music figured out. Now all I need is the brand side of it. And this shit's going to blow up. Like, absolutely. 
and I was uh, working a horrible job on an auto parts assembly line, and I was, um, uh, what's the word? Not part time, but worker, not yeah. contracted. Temp. I was a temp, so Word I wasn't all. part of the auto workers union. <laughs> yeah, awful. And I was, I knew I needed to rebrand and I was trying to think of like what influences me, whatever. And I was that annoying stoner in high school who was like, dude, Pink Floyd's just the fucking best thing ever. <laughs> like that was me. Like, and to, like to this day, Pink Floyd's still my favorite band. Like I was like, all right, yeah. Like who's made the biggest musical imprint on me. And then I thought of that and I always kind of liked the theme of electronics, like robots, whatever. So then I picked Pink Droid. And that's how that came about. And uh, yeah, now we're going away from that one. I'm forgetting what got me on the topic of my rebrands. Yeah, we were we were kind of talking about uh, a- 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 Akios and choosing good branding. So yeah, oh, so yeah, how like it needs to be recognizable. So like with Pink Droid, the reason I'm switching from that, there is a Midwestern U.S. based. I think they're like Wisconsin or something. Pink Floyd cover band. Oh shit called pink drawing. Oh my god. It's <laughs> felt the same way. And it's not it's not awful because they're not original artists. Like it was not like I could ever put a song out and they would be like, oh well, because like they just tour. But like they tour. Like they are full time musician Pink Floyd impersonators and it's not search engine optimized. And that was like first tick in me being like, oh shit, Pink Pink Droid might not be the one. And like the worst part is and I would think anyone who's rebranded that has gone through this, like, especially if you've done it multiple times, like that imposter syndrome just comes back. Like you, you just like are so afraid of the judgment of like, holy shit. Like, can this guy just like give it a rest already? Like your fourth DJ name in five years, like relax, buddy. Like that's why in two years I still haven't rebranded. Cause like I decided I was going to probably in 2019, definitely in 2019. And it was supposed to be fast it didn't happen and yeah that that's definitely a huge factor in it as well like people rebranding just get so scared of like that perception of like you admitting that this one failed yeah it's kind of a tightrope line i you actually pivoted exactly when i was gonna pivot so i was like Oh god! Like oh now I'm now I'm just sitting here looking like a bad hoe. Well, I talk way too much, so you're gonna sit there looking like whatever. It's been no, it's perfect because I like I like to sit and think and process things sometimes because like I you know dial up brain, so it yeah. takes me a little bit. I'm that I'm that <laughs> white guy at the party in the smoke pit Relatable. that makes friends with everyone. I do the same thing too when I'm out. I'm just like, hey, <laughs> I don't know you. You're my friend now. But I don't smoke. To my family <laughs> listening to this, I don't yeah, smoke Mom, cigarettes. Don't listen to this. That, that just I have to mention briefly. I have it's kind of rare. I have like insanely supportive family in this to the point <laughs> where sometimes I wish they were less. Because like I promote something and my replies is Whoa. like my grandma, my uncle, my mom, and I'm like, guys, like I'm trying <laughs> to hang out with my internet friends. Go away. Like what I like when I tweeted those Chibs lyrics earlier, like you want beef, I'll fuck you up. Like all I could think about was how my grandma follows my artist Twitter, and she's just gonna read that and be like, <laughs> "She's like, I don't what, know what, what is he on about?" <laughs> yeah, uh, dad likes. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. So it's like, uh, there we are. Back I'm pretty at sure. It. I mean, like I know I'm personally, but, but like sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> J- uh, at at Jackwy at Jickwy at Jicky, please make a voice note <laughs> telling us. Jordan, I'm gonna bully you if you don't. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's like I I would always like because I I chirp my friend, so I'd always talk shit about him and Ratrix, and then his dad would like the tweets. I'm like, oh, I hope he knows that I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like sometimes my family same thing. Like, I'll be interacting with some like random person from American EDM Twitter, and like my family will like it. And I'm like, I wonder what that person just thought about that. <laughs> That, I mean, that's really cool that your family supports you in this and understands how much it means to you. Like, that's that's a rare. Yeah, no, it's like the biggest, it's the biggest privilege to be like embarrassed by it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at the same time, it's still like, oh, you're you're an adult. It's like, uh, like my dad comes to pretty much all of my hockey games, and I'm playing in beer league, but it's still like, oh, like yeah. And then he he hung out with the like at the bar after the game with a bunch of my teammates. Oh, 
Love it. And it's kind of like, oh, oh, and he didn't come this last week, and and they were all like, where's your dad? Is he coming in? I'm like, no, he's not tonight. I can't lie. Like sometimes the the support of the family like like hinders my ideas of like my social media branding because like I myself and my personality around my peers am definitely like very out of pocket, very inappropriate. Like I could have some great sudden death style just tweeting the word come branding. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to subject my grandmother to that. <laughs> Soft block or she won't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm I'm very lucky that my family is the same way. I could be like, I'm gonna do this and I'll Okay, sweet. Like Yeah. I've, they've always got my back, which is nice. And it's cool to see that your parents have your back like that because that's like I know a lot of my friends that are in the music production or in the arts in general, their parents don't seem to understand why it's so important to them. Absolutely, yeah. Which can be tough. I'm kind of want to pivot into the topic of the rebrand process itself. Like, was it just after you mentioned that you found that cover band that had the same thing, you decided to rebrand it? What is like? What was the process behind coming up with the new name and deciding on how you're going to the branding move? forward and all of that so i think it probably started around the time when i graduated music school and i released my last song as pink droid in july 2019 it was called whack and when i made it it was leagues ahead of most other stuff i had made aside from that caution to the wind track which i wasn't taking seriously and it felt like you get you have so many eureka moments in your growth as a producer where you're like oh shit, I cracked the code, like this is my best. And you like, don't envision that like, you know, a year in the future, this is gonna sound like shit to you. Like in the moment, you're just stoked on it. And um, I put that out and then, you know, as it is with most people, like, you know, everyone likes to think they're the main character in the movie where their song's gonna blow up overnight. And you know, it got a couple, maybe a hundred whatever views. And that was like my fifth or sixth song I put out as Pink Droid. and. My time at music school was great for learning music, but it also really negatively affected me in the way that I became really jaded toward the whole aspect of trying to make it in the music industry, and then in turn, really jealous. And the jealousy manifested itself in a way of, of hatred, as it normally does, where like, you know, the people who I was jealous of for their opportunities, I would find ways to tear them down because of the ways I was insecure myself. And, um... After releasing that many songs and, you know, not being, oh, because like, I, you know, I 100% had the thought in my mind of like, oh, in six months, like, I'm going to pop off or whatever, which everyone probably goes through at least once in their career and it didn't happen. And then I just felt, I felt very entitled because I think I was really jealous that a lot of people who DJed and didn't make tracks were getting shows, which is what I wanted to be doing. And because I made tracks and thought they were good personally, I thought I was entitled to that exposure and those opportunities and I wasn't getting them. And it just started to turn me really bitter. And then at that point, I just really started to dissect every problem I had with my brand. And like, there are things that have happened with every brand I've pursued in the past where (laughs) almost like relationships where like a red flag comes up and you're like, this could be really detrimental. And then you're like, don't want to deal with that shove away. And if it comes back, like just going to put on these rose tinted glasses and act like the regular flag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that like the pink droid cover band thing was definitely one of those things where I was like, ah, is this really a huge deal? Probably not. But in the back of my mind, I was like, fuck, like, something big is going to have to happen for me to overtake these guys on the internet. You see it. Yeah. You see it and you just don't want to deal with the consequences of it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, well a big one is I don't want to rebrand for a a fourth time in five years because it's embarrassing. Is it though? I think, I think the, to me watching artists rebrand, especially when they're on like a smaller scale of it is watching them try and find yeah their identity within the music like, like an artist like murder was like when he had to change his name or murata when they had to change their names it was a big deal because they had already been gaining like a shitload of traction at the time absolutely and that's like one thing i would always like try to say to anyone who is like in the earlier stages of trying to pursue it is like because I used to be, yeah, I, you know, I had this like inflated sense of like, oh, there's all these people who give a fuck who are going to notice because like I have a thousand Twitter followers. And then I'm like, oh, wait, out of those thousand people, like 
already give a shit maybe about the music I'm doing. Like, and they all know me personally. Like, it's not like I'm like, people are going to not be able to find my spot. Like my 45 fucking yearly Spotify streams are going to be like, Oh my God, like we can risk those to possibly grow bigger. And that's something I like didn't under the understanding of myself for a long time. Like there was definitely a while where I was just like, oh, everyone knows me as Pink Droid. And I was like, well, actually, like on a scale, no one knows you as Pink Droid. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> everyone in your immediate circle knows you. And that's the thing is like like the analogy of you like the bow and arrow. You have to pull back a little bit to get shot further. Yeah. And to make that progress that you need. And and that like it's daunting. It's daunting as fuck trying to rebrand. I can't imagine the stress of like you have to go through and redo everything that you've kind of built up for now. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any and hesitancy then, doing it? Oh, so much. Like there it took me so long to finally admit to myself like okay, I I am no longer invested in this project and I, what I need to do is create something else because I'm not aligning with the vision of what was originally set out for this. And um I think one part of that is <laughs> So like I said, you think you think you hit your, you know, your 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 peak with your skills and then you make your next song and you're like, "Oh fuck. This shit's on the last one." And after Whack, I made a song called Next Level, and that's where like the sort of next <laughs> the next chapter of my production started. Like that one was very obviously leagues ahead of what I released as Pink Droid, and I like okay, I feel like I want to create a brand where out of the gate things are at a professional quality yeah so it's like oh bang already like the visuals look like they were from a label song is professional quality it's promoted properly so that if i do come across the opportunity of a label signing or whatever you know 90 percent of the work is done like oh this guy's got everything we need we just signed the song blah 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 like that and i was like you know i i want something where from the beginning like there's there's no, even though I want progress, like, it's not like, oh, you hear the first song on my SoundCloud and it's like, oh, dude, like this guy's, you know, learning to produce. Like, no, the first song you hear on a SoundCloud is like, like when you hear, when you hear the first LS Dream song and you didn't know who Brills was or whatever. Right? Yeah, and it's like right like, off the gate. Oh, this it, is this guy's is first it. song? Like, he's fucking great. So I was like, yeah, that's what it needs to be. And then, you know, we're, we're over, we're like two and a half years beyond when i wrote that song and now i'm almost hesitant to release it under Audulator because i'm like oh it's not as good as my stuff that i'm making now but i'm kind of starting to get over this hump i had where i cared way too much about technical stuff you know engineering whatever and i'm just i'm proud of the songwriting in those songs and that i made them at the time i did and you know they're from 2019 there's there's two songs that are quarter note screech basses that aren't going to shatter the mold, but you know, they still sound dope and those are going to come out early because I, you know, want to put them out before I put out my better stuff. But that's where, it, that's where it came from. I was like, I need to start something where from beginning it's where it needs to be to be where I want to be. It hits the standard that you've set for yourself in terms of getting that brand out there. Yeah. Like, the, like it's basically like with the quality of the music, like from the beginning, it's stuff that I would assume could get signed to a smaller label. See, and there's no, there's no problem with having confidence in your work because it, it sounds like a big part of your rebrand from my perspective and listening to you talk is about you are more confident in what you're doing now in terms of you know that it it's worth more to you than what your old music did when it comes to quality and and writing and all of these things that it gives you an opportunity to just hit the refresh button without taking too many steps back and without staying the same just with a different name on it yeah and i, I i've just i've changed so much as a person and just that's like, your early 20s man way i <laughs> yeah exactly you. yeah 24 now like everything's just starting to, i'm like oh i'm in my mid-20s now like life is just different like i am different and like i have so many regrets about like some of the ways that i've handled myself earlier on and i honestly wouldn't doubt if some of those things contributed to me like you know not getting the opportunities i wanted or whatever because like i said like i had this there was a lot of people in my program at school that objectively shouldn't have been there like 
we were 11 months into the program and they still couldn't remember like the definition of what a compressor does. Like at this point, you shouldn't be in a $20,000 11 month program for music production. Like you need to go home and go on YouTube a bit more, you yeah, know? I know what that does. And like, <laughs> and there were, there were so many of that. And I got this inflated sense of like, oh, I'm special. Cause like I'm better than these kids at my school. And you know, like I'm meant to do this, like blah, blah, blah. And like, it really got to me in a really unhealthy way. And I kind of just want to like shed all of that. Like now I just, I make stuff that like, I a hundred percent know that I really love because like sometimes I'll be on an hour long bus journey and all I'm listening to is my SoundCloud whips. And it's not because I'm trying to figure out like, Oh, is this frequency stupid? Is this volume too loud? It's just because I love the song and like, maybe not everyone is going to love it, but there are going to be people who are going to vibe with that too. Oh, that makes me so happy. There, there to me, there is nothing that makes me more interested in an artist than when they legitimately love what they're making, what they're, and you can tell that from when they're talking about what they're releasing like that to me, like that attracts me to artists more than any other piece of branding could ever do. Like for instance, I was in a lot of hardcore music. There's a band called Knock Loose. I never really got into them on know, their yeah. first album. I was kind of like, eh, like it's not really quite my thing. And then they started doing promos for their their most recent album that came out in 2019. And you just listening to them and reading them talk about the album itself was like, holy, okay, I want to I want to listen to this now because you can tell that they want it to be out there as much as we wanted as the fans to get it out right like to me music is all about change and growth because you as an artist you said you you are different than you were a couple of years ago you've grown everyone's tastes and what they find interesting changes as you grow and and especially now like there's just so much music that comes out that you can take inspiration from that it, it, it's this insane wealth of everything that enables people to like constantly be be progressing as artists and as people at the same time yeah, and like it, it's like I, I'm even able to see where I've grown in like the way that like I perceive myself and my music because like I'm so you know like um, attached now to the idea of like you made it, it is what it is, share it. Like I can listen to songs that I have ready to release as Audulator and say to myself like this isn't mastered as good as it could have been, this isn't mixed as good as it could have been, but it's good enough for the average music consumer and. I'm just going to get better because there's never been a time where I've made a song from beginning to end and said that wasn't as good as the last song I made. Every time I write a new song for five years, every single time I've finished a song, I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever made. As long as I keep going and learning and making new stuff, then it's just, it's like a law of nature that it's just going to get it's better. Gonna... So like, there's no point in sitting here like, Oh, I'm not good enough yet. And like, again, like I said, like there's those producers who caught me with their social media following. And then two months later, I listened to their music and it was incredibly mediocre. It didn't matter. <laughs> See, yeah, it, it's, it's the telling what I, I really enjoy listening to you talk about this new project because I know you kind of have a bit of a self-deprecating sense of humor sometimes on Twitter. And I like, I see that I'm kind of like, oh, like I know he's joking, he's joking, but like listening to you talk about this is like, I can tell that you're really serious about this, this next brand and this next chapter of your music career. And I'm really like, really fucking excited to hear what you come out with. Cause that shit makes me happy. Yeah. That's what's great too. Like I, I used to get afraid because I would listen to my music and I'm like, I can't nail down who this sounds like, you know, like this doesn't sound like this doesn't sound like space laces this doesn't sound like Murata. this doesn't sound like peekaboo and i'm like oh like you know like space laces peekaboo getter like these are the people i'm trying to emulate this doesn't sound like anyone so like how is anyone like i've actually had this exact thought process of how is anyone gonna like this it doesn't sound like, like what's anything popular that's already right? a sound and dubstep and like that kind of just transitioned into like perfect <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what it should be. Bingo. Like, oh, this sounds like, like no one can say, oh, this sounds like this person. Awesome. Because if it sounds good to you and it doesn't sound like someone else, then there's not, there's a chance there that you're bringing something new. That's, that's the stuff that breeds longevity. But that's also like a really terrifying aspect of like, it's tough. I've always said, usually the first artist to do something, and thankfully we're in a community that that's not as often, but the first artist to do something that's that's different and unique and changes it a little bit, very rarely do they get the recognition for it. 
absolutely which is like that that's yeah. daunting but it like i said it, it's been the one nice thing about electronic music community is that people are good about being like that person did it first it's like really it's really prevalent in like i find like hip-hop and like alternative genres of rock like where there's like people uh think this band is the pioneer but like you can go 20 years before that band and this one band put out this one song that sounds exactly like that like my big example of this is um simple man by leonard skinnerd came out in 1970 something it sounds like an Alice in Chains song from like 1994. Like literally, I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but like go listen to it. It sounds like the grungiest grunge song of all time. And then you've got the whole world like, oh, Nirvana, Inventors of Grunge. Yeah. But like in 1970, whatever, Leonard Skinner put that song out and it was to the letter grunge. <laughs> and that's that's the thing is, is inspiration comes from like so many different things. And it's all about how you tie that into what you're making and what you want to make and make it your own. Yeah, that actually is an excellent segue into like the meaning behind the new yes, brand. That is okay. What what brought you to Audulator? So sound design is definitely like one of my fortes. Like I, the, one of the most enjoyable parts of me, and I think like one of the reasons why I, five years into it, I still find myself making bass music is like, I love, and again, like, I think why maybe I can't put a nail on, like, who I sound like or, like, am similar to is because sound design to me is, like, the most interesting part where, like, I can make, like, 20 sounds that I all think sound like shit that are, like, sounds that I've never heard before, and then somehow I'll make this, like, crazy dubstep sound that doesn't sound like anyone else, but I'm like, oh, that's, that's heat, like, that's great, and that just came from, you know, what it like digitally was just like you know sine waves i had to turn into other stuff um sound design is my probably the part i'm most passionate about like i'm horrible i don't save patches on serum ever like every time i ever need a super saw i open a serum initial patch and i make a new super saw and i could have saved the one i made three years ago but every time i'm trying to make it better so i make a new one like I sound design the dumbest shit that I could just get from a sample library just because I guess that's just one of the more enjoyable parts. And when it comes to bass music, um, for people listening who don't know, modulation is a huge component in what makes bass music sound design what it is. And what modulation is in terms of synthesis is um, things changing over time. Uh, more specifically in bass music, it's usually used with like volume of the sound. So like anytime you're hearing like a whoa, 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 like there is what's called a low frequency oscillator. This sounds super fucking nerdy. And that is modulating the volume of the sound. So that oscillator that's moving at the whoa, whoa, whoa pace is making the sound go whoa, whoa, whoa. And so basically the modulator is a source that changes something. And part of me not really understanding who I sound like or where it came from um, it came with odd because sometimes I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of odd. Like it's different. It doesn't, it doesn't really conform to what people are expecting of this genre. And then modulation, like I considered myself, we're getting real deep here on the here brand, but this is what you got to do when you're trying to design something. Like I was like, okay, when it comes to my music, I am the modulator. Like I take a genre and it goes through me and then I output my effect on it. Something comes in this way, and then the output is the combination of me and the thing that I brought in, which is like, you know, dubstep or drum and bass, whatever. But also, and it's always weird and kind of off kilter. So I was like, okay, modulator. And I struggled with it for a bit because I was like, oh man, I know for a fact Odd Prophet is going to cheat me. <laughs> I put Odd in the beginning of my name, and he's so vocal on the internet. And I was like, should I do it? And then I was like, you know what? At least I don't have a sub in my name. So. <laughs> I've never see this is the thing that to me is the most unique out of all of it is is it's very much like it's not just a name there's like the aspect of you were explaining like you take that little bit and make it your own so you yeah. are the odulator and that's exactly it that is like that that too I got, I got goosebumps I got goosebumps right now just like yes yeah, so like when like in synthesis when you're modulating something you're essentially creating a new waveform so one oscillator would generate a signal you could have a sine wave and then you introduce modulation frequency modulation 
um, a saw wave and what comes out is going to be a combination of whatever percentage of that saw wave and the sine wave you put and that's creating a whole new waveform and all sound is waves when you even you have a waveform that's one sound but also an entire song is its own waveform so for me it's like taking in those sounds and they go through me as the modulator and what's coming out is that new new thing that's that's what i want was trying to do behind it and that's what i'm going to try to achieve with feeling of the branding and everything it's kind of just you know the changing and the moving of the the everything (laughs) the ebb and flow to it that that really makes it yours yeah yeah that okay yeah to me that and i'm also go no go i was just gonna say like i'm also like part of that is just trying not to be genre specific in this project i have Anger House songs, I have great drum and bass, I have dubstep, I have trap, ooh, I, and it's ooh, all coming ooh. out under the same Said name. the magic word. The trap. <laughs> Talking business. So that that to me, like that is the perfect way to sum up this conversation and end it is how you described what this is to you and what you are to it, because we touched on that with Must I. You are the brand and the brand is you. So I'm gonna throw you a bit of a curveball here, just as a an end segment yeah. question. Because I want to keep guests on their toes. What is one set that you walked into not expecting it to be a good set, but had your mind blown? Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this is definitely This is happening. why I didn't, um, didn't give you this heads up. <laughs> oh. Okay, this is actually not going to like make a lot of sense when it comes to my musical taste. But actually, well, it did a while ago. When I first started, I wanted to be Jaws. That's like, I want it to make fucking rock the party 400 times. Yeah. Like I, I, when I, when I first started, I actually made tropical house and like big room. Like I loved Kygo and I loved dubs, unfortunately. Um, and then it went to base house. And I, when I was in Australia in 2016, fun fact, it makes me feel like a total outsider on EDM Twitter. I'm not one of those people who has listened to dubstep since 2010. I feel like you're attacking me now. I listened to... <laughs> <laughs> I listened to Skrillex's stuff, like like his Scary Monsters, Nice Brights, like Bangarang. Like I listened to those things in like 2011. But as far as like 2012 to 2015, 2014, I was not immersed in bass music at all. So I, it's hard for me to relate to a lot of that. But I was in Australia in 2016, and I saw Jaws at a festival, and it like I've never felt the urge to ants more and that's what like really helped because again like i wasn't uh, a traditional house music fan before that and I, it's called big room house but it like it's it's not house it doesn't have the off like it doesn't have the offbeat hi-hat like it's just whatever like the first time i heard those actual house rhythms and those kind of like jack and bass lines that created bass house along with like the uk sound like in that jaws set that really got me going that was in sydney australia at listen out festival see i'm if you remember that jaws i know you're listening yeah yeah you know my history with him (laughs) i was gonna (laughs) say someone's gonna be like wait you let him talk nice about jaws on your yeah i'm a fucking normal person Yeah, yeah, there have been things. There have been there, there have been things that have been said, and it's still to this day my fucking DM I've ever gotten. I I I may have subtweeted him before. Yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm I mean I'm guilty about subtweeting a lot of people. However, I'd still love to release on bite this. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws, if you're listening, don't take my don't take our like, history to heart. Worry about him. He's the that's that's part of what I talked about with the like not being able to, you know, on Twitter. Like I, I feel certain ways about a lot of things. However, I would love to work together. <laughs> we can. It's twenty twenty one. We can still grow. Back. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. It was super fun. I wanted to do a podcast yes. forever. Um, let me just do a little plug real quick. Um. So, uh, yeah, everything's gonna be uh, at Audulator on social media. Um, I've got so many tracks loaded up and I plan on releasing consistently. So definitely keep it locked there. And, uh, thank you very yeah. much for hopping on. Uh, I'm so excited to get things going and thank you for having me and excited to see what you've come up with for this new music. So 